Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. All the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Now for the Outdoor Living and Gardening Show, presented by Preston Green, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Give the show a call at 502-8150-93.9. Now, here's your host, Steve Mercer. Kakiana, and it's uh, going to be a sunny day today. Starts out a little chilly, but hey, we'll be in the mid-50s by the afternoon. Uh, nothing to complain about that, and especially in February. Um, we normally get our worst weather here in February, but uh, I think we're actually running a little ahead of schedule this year. Um, we're we're in the uh, middle of what's called a Super Nino, and... Uh, uh, when that happens, uh, we tend to have uh, a more ra- uh, a, a little bit drier season and also uh, uh, a, a hotter than normal season. Usually it's an earlier than normal season. So uh, I would expect all of those things uh, this year. And, uh, and so uh, that's going to speed up our timetable on everything. And... Uh, We'll be talking about uh, uh, sowing seeds uh, in, in our uh, show today. And uh, speaking of seeds, uh, we just got our shipment of seeds in for spring. And uh, it's time to be out there uh, purchasing your seed packets. Come on into the garden center and, and uh, we have a nice selection of stuff. Uh, so come on in and uh, pick some up and uh, start. It's time to start planting your garden, uh, and uh, uh, that's always an exciting time of the year for every gardener. And uh, uh, this year will be no different. And uh, uh, as as things start to bloom, uh, the uh, spring fever will will hit and uh, everybody will be in the mood to plant. And those of us who uh, are uh, advanced gardeners know that, uh, you know, we need to do a little advanced planting and, and also uh, do some uh, early uh, season plantings to uh, make sure that we have the seedlings we need to, uh, to get out there and get our gardens going this year. And... Uh, so uh, we'll be talking about that a little later in, the, in our segment. Um, uh, also, I mean, we are still in firewood season, and uh, we are shipping firewood uh, pretty much on a daily basis. 
And uh, if you have a need for some, why uh, stop into the greenhouse or uh, come come uh, have us uh, give us a call. And we'll we'll set up a delivery and get it out to your location. Now we're probably the only company in town that actually palletizes our firewood on pallets and wraps it in uh, nylon netting, and we ship that to your uh, house uh, on a flatbed truck, and we have a a little uh, tag-along trailer with a a little mini stand-on rubber track skid loader, so uh, we can pick those pallets up off the truck and set them exactly where you need them in your yard, as long as we can get through the gate, of course, and... uh, and uh, that allows us to eliminate a lot of, of work. Uh, you don't need a, a, a rickrack uh, with, with our deliveries. Uh, uh, all you have to do is just uh, tie a tarp over the pallet and uh, keep, it, keep the, the rain off the top of it and you're good to go and uh, makes it very convenient uh, for, for our homeowners. We've had a lot of positive feedback from our clients uh, about uh, how we handle our firewood. And uh, so uh, we, I'm somewhat of a stickler on efficiency, and, and uh, we, we uh, take that uh, uh, to heart in, in everything we do. And... Uh, so, if you're in the in the market for some, why please consider us. Give us a call. We'd love to help you. Um, now, um, we believe it or not, because the weather has um, uh, gotten a little milder, we're starting to starting back up to landscaping again. And uh, looking at the long-term forecasts, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be uh, mid-50s, almost 60 this, uh, this weekend. And uh, later next week, it will be in the 60s. So uh, there is absolutely nothing wrong with landscaping when the weather is like that. And if you have some projects, uh, don't put it off to uh, later in the spring. Uh, the sooner you get those new plants in the ground, uh, the more likely it is uh, that they will be able to get established. Uh, if we do have a hot, dry summer this, this summer, uh, uh, by getting them established early, uh, you'll have less, uh, less grunt work to do uh, all summer long and, and keeping everything happy uh, while when the weather gets dry. So um, don't miss this opportunity. This is probably as good a time as any to get your uh, landscaping uh, uh, done for the season. And uh, um, uh, those who wait just end up uh, having more headaches and, and have to... Uh, work much harder at, at, at keeping their landscape healthy and alive. Uh, so uh, uh, give us a call, and, and we'd love to talk to you about those projects. Um, we um, uh, are actively uh, growing in the greenhouse. Uh, we're receiving plants almost on a daily basis now. And, uh, and so... Um, 
we hope to have uh, uh, another wonderful season here at the Garden Center uh, with lots of beautiful plants uh, uh, for you to come and pick up and uh, move uh, to your home. Uh, and uh, so uh, we also um, are um, working on several uh, home projects for people. And uh, uh, you, this is the time of the year when people uh, start picking back up on uh, thinking about constru- uh, constructing a new home. And uh, with this being an election year, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, interest rates don't fall a little bit. Uh, and uh, you know, our politicians want to want us to be feel good about uh, the economy when 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 we start contemplating voting, and uh, it uh, is a very apparent cycle uh, that happens about every four years. And I, I don't expect this year to be any different. Uh, the jobs uh, report uh, this week was uh, um, very encouraging. Uh, uh, the Fed is doing whatever it takes to you know, make the economy look as rosy as possible here coming up on an election year. And uh, so uh, what that means for homeowners uh, or potential new homeowners is, is that, uh, you know, we're probably going to see a reprieve, uh, a, a little bit of a reprieve in interest rates. And uh, that means uh, it's time to build homes. And uh, we've already gotten several calls uh, to that respect. Um, uh, we're going to talk today in our home segment about um uh, uh, basements and foundations. Now, uh, there are many contractors uh, in the area that are, are building basements, and most every one of them are, are using the aluminum concrete forms or uh, to form their basements. And they have big, heavy trucks with uh, cranes, and they come in and uh, set those forms up and pour that concrete. And uh, then they have to come back and break those forms down. It's a lot of heavy work. And uh, um, there is a a better option, uh, believe it or not. Uh, Those basements, uh, after they're done, uh, they have no insulation on them. Uh, they're not ready to finish uh, the basement. If you want if you have hopes of having a finished basement, uh, you're still going to have to go inside and frame the inside with steel studs around the outside wall, and, and insulate and wire those uh, uh, walls up, uh, and put drywall on them, and. Uh, um, so, uh, you know, the basement is kind of the, the starting point, uh, and uh, most of them are cold and, and uh, uh, hard to heat, and, uh, uh, and, and it doesn't have to be that way. And we use a product called uh, Insulated Concrete Forms, or ICF for short, and uh, these are basically styrofoam blocks that are hollow that uh, uh, allows us to set these forms uh, uh, on a footer 
and uh, and put uh, uh, rebar inside them and uh, pour them full of concrete. Now, the beauty of that is is that uh, the styrofoam form itself is not removed, uh, so there's no labor to remove the forms after the concrete's poured. Uh, the styrofoam stays in place and becomes the insulation for your basement. So now. Um, you don't need to insulate those walls. They're already insulated. They come that way uh, as, as soon as the concrete's poured. Uh, not only that, but uh, you don't need any wall framing either because there are plastic furring, vertical plastic furring strips embedded just, in, just under the surface of the styrofoam. So uh, instead of having to put two before studs up, uh, uh, you can just screw your drywall right into those furring strips and and so finishing a basement with an icf basement is super easy uh, and and the whole process goes much quicker now uh, there are a few other nuances to foundations and 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 basements uh, and uh, uh one of the things that, uh, uh, to start with, uh, we like to use a, a, a footer form called fast foot. Now, uh, uh, actually, uh, Formadrain. Uh, and Formadrain um, uh, uh, serves as your, uh, your, your framing for your footer. Uh, it also serves as the drainage system for your footer both inside and outside the footer. Uh, and it's the only product that I'm aware of uh, that's actually certified certified for radon abatement. So when you install this product uh, around your footer, you're basically doing three jobs in one. And uh, you don't have to remove the form after the concrete's poured, it stays in place, which saves labor uh, during the construction process. Um, now, uh, even if you uh, uh, don't think you have radon, uh, a radon issue in your home now, um, uh, we always go on and, and uh, put an extra footing in the footer and uh, bring that up and turn it up uh, towards the floor of the basement because should that uh, situation ever change uh, all you have to do is just uh, hook on to that uh, pipe that comes up out of the floor and take it all the way out through the roof uh, and put a vent uh, in your uh, in the pipe uh, in your attic and uh, you've got your radon uh, issue under control so um, this is um, a very uh, cost-effective way to deal with a potential problem uh, before it happens. Now, uh, there is another op there's another thing that uh, 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 we do that also when you're finishing a basement uh, can be a big help. One of the things that happens in a basement from time to time is, uh, I mean, maybe you have a sewer that backs up and you get flooding in the basement uh, or um, maybe there's a, a water leak in the house. 
uh, uh, and and so uh, occasionally uh, you might have some water damage in the basement. Well, uh, if you've gone the conventional framing and drywall route, uh, then all the drywall that got wet during the flood has to come out uh, because uh, of black mold issues. Uh, we are now using a, a, a new product, a new drywall product that has uh, as good or better fire resistance uh, as regular gypsum drywall. Uh, it's made out of magnesium oxide and uh, it's water resistant. Uh, if it gets wet, it won't hurt it. Uh, the water will come right back out of out of the material, uh, and uh, it's mold and mildew resistant. So, guess what? If your basement gets flooded, you don't need to remove the drywall. Uh, uh, now, if you have internal walls in the basement, uh, if you frame those walls with steel stud framing rather than wood stud framing. Uh, then uh, you you know the black mold uh, is looking for an organic material to to gain a foothold on, and obviously with steel stud framing, there's no organic materials in that framing. So when you put steel stud uh, uh, framed inner walls uh, in the basement, and you um, uh, um, put uh, this magnesium oxide uh, drywall on it, even if the ba basement should flood, you won't need to remove your drywall. Now, that's going to save you some serious money uh, should an event like that occur. Now, I don't know about you, but I have this uh, uh, philosophy that the time to prepare for disaster is way before it happens. And so anything we can do to uh, avoid uh, potential disasters uh, during our build uh, down the road, we, we try to, to uh, incorporate those types of building materials in our builds. And uh, this is a very significant product that uh, used in conjunction with steel stud framing and ICF walls uh, will make your basement uh, much more um, uh, economical uh, should you have a, uh, a, a, a an event uh, that causes flooding in your basement. Um, you know, some people have floor drains in their basement. Uh, sometimes the floor drain gets stopped up outside somewhere, and the next thing you know, the water's backing up in the house. There's just a number of reasons. So maybe you have a, uh, um, a sump pump that uh, suddenly fails and uh, the water comes up in the house in the basement so uh, there are a number of issues that happen that cause water in a basement and uh, so um, building with building materials that are resistant uh, uh, to those events uh, will save you lots of money down the road now Speaking of um, um, 
sump pumps, um, rather than putting in an electric sump pump, there are, are sump pumps out there that are run on water pressure. So you you hook a water line up to that sump pump, and uh, it actually will drive the, the sump pump uh, by water pressure. What that means is, uh, generally speaking, uh, uh, when you when you get uh, lots of water uh, on the sump pump side, that usually means we've got a storm that's come through, drops lots of water, and it's making your sump pump run. Uh, and a lot of times when we have one of those events, it's also knocking down trees and turning off the power. Now, uh, when you turn off the power to an electric sump pump, uh, your uh, system to get the water from coming in your basement uh, suddenly is disabled. Uh, and, and so you have a couple of choices. Put in a generator, standby, emergency standby generator or simply just use a, a sump pump that's driven by water. And uh, it doesn't matter whether the power goes off. Your sump pump is still operational even when the lights uh, go dark. And so this is another way to ensure that your basement stays dry. Um, when we build our basements, uh, there are some things that we do a little different than some of our competitors in the market. Uh, first of all, uh, the concrete reinforcement uh, of the concrete, uh, we use a couple of products that are a little newer uh, and uh, a little more advanced. Um, uh, even the military now are using these products, and uh, they, they can afford to um, build their buildings uh, with uh, anything they want, uh, and, and cost is a secondary issue to those guys. And, uh, and so uh, even those guys have chosen this product uh, because of its superior uh, concrete reinforcement capabilities. So the first product is a product called Helix 525. And um, this is a little twisted steel, coated twisted steel coil that's at about an inch to inch and a quarter long. Uh, they're very thin. They're not like a, a traditional rebar that's, you know, fatter than a pencil. Uh, they're, they're like... Uh, just a little bit thicker than the pencil lead in your pencil and you would say well gee whiz how does that do a better job of reinforcing my con my concrete well uh, guess what uh, when you put enough of those in the concrete um, they will do an actually a better job of reinforcing your concrete uh, because first of all uh, when you look at concrete reinforcement uh, uh, the concrete uh, around the reinforcement bar itself is is what uh, is making the concrete uh, um, stiffer uh, and so when you have you know uh, hundreds of thousands of these little steel coils um, that are 
placed in the concrete, uh, generally at the concrete plant. Um, um, they're they're dropped randomly into the concrete, uh, every which way within the concrete. So, unlike a, a steel rebar where you're enforcing uh, in in one direction or another, uh, these little uh, tiny uh, uh, twisted steel coils uh, are reinforcing the concrete every which way it can be reinforced uh, within the concrete. What that means is is you. You see less cracking and better concrete reinforcement. Now, uh, uh, we also uh, use vertical reinforcement uh, in our concrete, and uh, and so uh, for that product, we use a product called MST bar. Now, MST bar is a fiberglass rebar, and you would say, well, how is fiberglass rebar stronger than steel? Well. Uh, it is. Uh, it's it's about three times stronger than steel, and uh, uh, MST bar in particular uh, is is the only product on the market in the fiberglass rebar class that is actually stronger than steel. And uh, so they have little tiny uh, fiberglass fibers uh, sticking out of the rebar. And, and what that does is, is the concrete itself will actually adhere better to uh, MST bar than it will to steel rebar. So um, you get a better reinforcement around the rebar because the concrete adheres to it better. Uh, when you couple those two products together, uh, in a basement situation, what you end up with is a basement that had, does far less cracking. Uh, and, and we put that also in the footer of the basement. And, uh, and then we have a couple of other tricks up our sleeve. We do have a um, concrete additive uh, and that we add to the concrete. And what it does is it waterproofs the concrete at the molecular level. Uh, it also coats any steel rebar uh, uh, in the concrete, uh, this being the helix, of course. Fiberglass rebar is not steel, so it doesn't rust. Uh, and so should a crack occur, uh, the helix will not be exposed to water to cause it to rust. And so um, uh, that's a big, that's an important factor uh, because um, uh, rusting of rebar is the number one cause of failure of concrete. Uh, so um, once you've uh, once you have that situation, uh, we're not done. The concrete additive, should a crack occur, will cause those cracks to be self-healing within 50 days. So should you have a, a, a crack form, uh, uh, it will repair itself within about 50 days. And so this is uh, uh, our, uh, the primary waterproofing for the basement. Uh, we, we can put that in your floor and your walls. Uh, and, and the other issue is um, uh, uh, 
we use a, a membrane on the outside of the concrete wall, the exterior side of the concrete wall, that uh, serves as your uh, uh, your main uh, 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 waterproofing of the basement. And uh, we use a, a membrane that uh, also serves as a termite barrier. So should uh, should you have a termite issue down the road, uh, this membrane is a non-insecticidal uh, membrane, which means uh, it never wears out. You know, that's the problem when you have some of these treatments for, for, for uh, um termites, uh, it might last for a while, but it eventually it goes away, and then you're stuck with having a, an annual termite uh, uh, exterminator come out to apply insecticide around your house to prevent termite damage. Uh, with this product, uh, it's a one-and-done thing. You you waterproof your basement, and you, um, and you exclude the termites permanently, and you don't have to go back and, and visit that that uh, issue again. Uh, now, that membrane uh, can be punctured during the backfilling process. So, we use another product that kind of looks like plastic eggshell material uh, and then has a piece of filter fabric over the uh, front of it. And we attach that to that membrane so that when you backfill the soil up against the house, uh, you don't have, you, you, you eliminate the risk of it being punctured while. While the um, uh, while you're backfilling the basement, and uh, it also serves as a French drain to keep the water pressure away from the house and down, and it funnels it down to the drain in the form of drain at the footer uh, to to get the water uh, out away from the house. And so, um, when you combine these uh, strategies together, you end up with a dry basement that uh, has very little if any cracking and even if you do have cracking uh, the basement uh, heals you know the the additive will heal that concrete uh, in about 50 days so uh, a much better way uh, to to build a basement uh, uh, if you uh, like a basement that's not cold uh, sometimes it's so cold down there in the summertime you can't hardly stand to be downstairs and uh uh, we can eliminate those problems with ICF. Uh, also, we put a, a, a geo a fa a foam underneath the floor. Uh, we also have the ability to put uh, PEX radiant heat tubing uh, uh, in that styrofoam under the floor. And uh, so the most efficient way to heat your house is to put uh, your heat uh, underneath what you want to heat uh, because heat rises so if you put the heat underneath the concrete floor the concrete floor itself will act as a large radiator and it will uh, contribute to heating the whole house uh, just by heating the floor of the basement now uh, uh, that's not to say that you don't need some heat uh, uh, ductwork and whatnot in, in upper levels of the house, but you'll end up of the house with more even heat from the basement floor all the way uh, to the top floor of the house. And so by combining these uh, strategies together, 
uh, we can have a much more comfortable basement, uh, a much more comfortable finished basement uh, that uh, that is prepared uh, should a, a flood or a leak occur uh, that you don't have to worry about black mold issues getting a foothold in your house uh, and uh, which is a very costly thing uh, and uh, you end up with a house that basically has a, a dry basement, uh, uh, you, you know, not having to worry about cracks in the walls and whatnot. Uh, and uh, um, should that disaster occur, why uh, you're, you're prepared for it. So a much uh, smarter way to build a basement. And if you have a project coming up, uh, we'd love to talk to you about building one of those basements for you. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, because we don't have forms to remove, uh, the project goes quicker. And uh, everybody, uh, everybody likes it when uh, uh, a construction proce- uh, project goes quicker. Uh, uh, that's another added benefit of, of using ICF. We're going to take our first break now. We'll be back in just a minute. listening to the Outdoor Living and Gardening Show, presented by Preston Green, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Give the show a call at 502-8150-93.9. Now, here's your host, Steve Mercer. Well, we're back in Kentuckyana, and since we are uh, in early spring, uh, we want to talk about... Uh, uh, your turf issues uh, for spring, uh, what to do and what not to do. And uh, um, one of the very first things we, we, we want to be um, getting on right away is um, uh, getting your mower into a mower shop and getting it serviced for the season. Uh, if uh, if you left gasoline in in the the mower, uh, you might have some some carburetor issues, uh, uh, and uh, you know when it, when it's time to mow the grass, you don't want to have to wait like three weeks uh, 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 because you got to take the mower to the mower shop and have them uh, get it ready for spring. So um, go on and get that job done now. Be sure that you get your your blade sharpened while you're while you're having it serviced. Um, having sharp uh, more blades are very important to the turf aesthetics and to the health of the turf. And uh, and so uh, you can kind of kill two birds with one stone. Get your uh, Get your mower in and have it tuned up and uh, and ready to go for the season. And uh, um, yeah, the longer you wait, the longer the line will be to get it fixed. And 
uh, it's just better to go on and get it done now and and uh, you'll be ready uh, when the season uh, is time to start mowing that grass now um, another thing that you want to do is you want to apply a pre-emergence herbicide uh, in the spring uh, and this is a, a thing that uh, uh, weeds such as uh, uh, crabgrass and goosegrass uh, begin to germinate in the spring. Uh, if you apply pre-emergence herbicide uh, prior to germination, uh, the weed numbers can be drastically reduced uh, in your lawn uh, and can have a chance uh, your, your lawn will be able to flourish uh, better uh, without all that competition from the weeds and uh, uh, the weeds will uh, take up space and light and water and, and, and uh, sap nutrients away from your, your lawn. And uh, so um, a good indicator to, to know when to apply pre-emergence uh, herbicide is, uh, is to follow your forsythia bushes that are in the neighborhood. And uh, generally, you want to apply your pre-emergence uh, herbicide uh, before the forsythias drop their blooms. Now, uh, that's an interesting uh, situation because uh, if we have an earlier spring, you'll notice that the forsythias will will bloom earlier. So. Um, it's a great way to uh, time your uh, pre-emergence herbicides to make sure they are they are there and ready to do their job uh, uh, before the weeds start to germinate. And uh, that's the way uh, pre-emergence herbicide works. I mean, once the weeds have germinated, you've missed the window to control them. So uh, it's very important to get that herbicide down early uh, before those weeds germinate. We carry these products at the garden center if you need them. Uh, we're coming up uh, real soon on needing to apply them. And uh, so be sure to stock up if you need to uh, and be ready for the spring. Um, uh, if you don't have a, um, um, a spreader to be able to apply them, uh, you might want to go on and pick up one of those now, uh, you know, at your uh, at a hardware store somewhere uh, and, and so that you'll be ready to apply it because uh, it won't be long, week or two, uh, and we'll probably need to start thinking about uh, getting out there and applying those um, those pre-emergence herbicides. Now, when you do start mowing, uh, uh, generally in the spring, the uh, grass grows pretty fast and lots of volume. Uh, it's best to uh, um, uh, cut that uh, at a regular height. Uh, you don't want to wait until the um, um, grass uh, is, is like really tall uh, before you do your first cut. Um, uh, you want to general rule of thumb is is you want to um, um, uh, you want to leave about uh, 
uh, at least of the third. Uh, uh, you don't want to remove more than about a third of the of the uh, leaf blade. Uh, because if you remove more than a third of the leaf growth, uh, then you're also re- reducing uh, root growth as well. And uh, so we want to keep those roots uh, real healthy. And uh, and so um, you don't want to scalp your grass uh, 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 because uh, you waited too long to cut the grass uh, because now you're, you're – um, you're holding back your root growth as well. And uh, when you do that, then that just invites weeds to come visit. And nobody wants weeds in their lawn. So um, now here's a few things you don't want to do in the spring, and that's apply lots of nitrogen. Uh, nitrogen applied in the spring and summer provides uh, promotes growth of warm season weeds such as crabgrass and goosegrass and Bermuda grass. Uh, further, high amounts of nitrogen uh, in the spring and summer can result in increased damage from white grubs in the soil. Uh, adult beetles are attracted to lush lawns and high nitrogen levels uh, uh, and uh, restrict uh, turf rooting, uh, which compounds the damage uh, from uh, the white grubs uh, feeding on the turf roots. Um, the vast majority of your nitrogen fertilizer should be applied in the fall. A fall application uh, will improve the health of the lawn and result in greener lawn in the winter, um, less spring mowing and less weeds um, and less heat stress uh, and less need to water uh, in the summer uh, disease uh, and reduce disease problems in the summer. Uh, so uh, remember that uh, your bluegrass and fescue um, uh, turf grasses, they're cool season grasses. And so um, the time to really step on the gas as far as the fertilizer is concerned is in the fall of the year. Um, uh, by the time we get to spring, uh, uh, your, your, your fall season grasses are, throttling back and they'll 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 be green all summer but they just uh, they just don't need uh, a lot of uh, it's the time of the year when they are more dormant uh, uh, and so uh, no sense to really uh, uh, pour the gas on as far as the the fertilizer is concerned because uh, all you're doing is just creating uh, disease problems and and weed problems in your in your turf now <clears throat> you don't want to apply weed and feed products in the spring uh, again because we don't want to encourage uh, that nitrogen uh, fertilizer uh, in the spring uh, uh, and and another thing is is uh, if at all possible, don't uh, seed your lawn in the spring. The best time to seed your lawn is in early fall. Remember, uh, you are uh, you are planting grasses that are cool, cool season grasses, uh, and there's nothing cool 
about summer. And so if you apply, if you seed them now, then they, you know, they're already beginning to go dormant and they're not going to get a lot of growth on them until hot weather gets here. And then you're not going to have enough roots under them uh, to be able to get them through the summer. So the best time to, to uh, seed your lawn is in the fall of the year. Uh, and that's a very important uh, uh, thing you need to con- uh, consider. Um, we're going to take another break here, and we'll be back in just a minute. listening to the Outdoor Living and Gardening Show, presented by Preston Green, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Give the show a call at 502-8150-93.9. Now, here's your host, Steve Mercer. Well, we're back at Tuckiana, and uh, since we are uh, approaching uh, uh, seeding time for your indoor, uh, 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 starting your indoor vegetable plants uh, and, and flowers, um, we, we probably need to talk about how that process works and, and how to go about it. Uh, now, for those of you who have... Uh, of, um, heard this before uh it never hurts to review it i mean you only do it basically once a year so uh, it's it's always good to kind of review the basics just to make sure that you haven't missed anything and uh and so we're going to talk a little bit about that today now um you uh you 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 kind of need to just uh with a quick overview you you need to uh, choose the right container to start your seeds with um uh, we actually seed our uh, uh seeds uh in in what's called a plug tray uh we have a machine that'll drop one seed per plug uh and some uh, some uh some seeds uh, uh, you might require two or three seeds per plug so um, we have a machine that is capable of doing that now uh, you don't actually need a machine I mean you can do this by hand uh, uh, you can take uh, uh, take like a um, uh, 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 like a piece of cardstock and uh, just fold it and get a nice uh, crease in it and uh, put your seeds in that and then just kind of tap that card uh, and 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 you can kind of control how many seeds drop uh, as they drop into your plug tray uh, and uh, uh, you also want to uh, select a spot uh, with enough light for seeds to germinate uh, and uh, and uh, enough space uh, uh, for them to grow. Uh, it may also be necessary to use a heat mat under those seeds. Um, uh, you need to keep the soil the seeds moist but not too wet. Uh, and you need to gently prepare the seed, seedlings for outdoors by hardening them off uh, if you plan to move them to your garden. So 
uh, we want to talk about each one of these uh, uh, specific uh, topics. Um, you know, and probably the first thing to talk about is when to start your seeds indoors. Now, the best place to start is the seed packet uh, itself because uh, it will usually announce if the plant should be uh, planted uh, indoors, started indoors. And uh, it'll have uh, phrases on the seed packet like uh, start indoors eight weeks before the last expected frost date of your area. Um, You can go and do a simple Internet search and uh, that'll tell you the date of the last expected frost uh, in your area. Um, uh, And uh, around here, uh, the frost free date here. Uh, is uh, Mother's Day, uh, and uh, a lot of people get anxious and plant their gardens uh, before Mother's Day, and uh, sometimes Mother Nature will come and slap your hand for that, and uh, and you'll have to replant. So uh, it's not always advantageous to, to get a jump on the season, especially when you're talking about uh, things like tomatoes and peppers, uh, they need a warmer soil temperature, and uh, planting them in the soil early uh, is is actually detrimental to them and will actually stunt the plants. Uh, we've proven it time and time again. Those who wait to plant to like uh, May fifteenth will consistently have. Uh, uh, tomatoes and peppers uh, from their garden sooner than those people that get anxious and and plant early. Um, now, uh, uh, if if you look at the maturity date on the seed packet, uh, you can count back from the maturity date uh, and and that will tell you. Uh, um, uh, uh, when those plants uh, should be planted in the ground. Now, uh, there are some seed guides out there that will actually tell you how many, uh, how many weeks uh, from uh, the time you seed your seeds to uh, the time they're ready to transplant. Armed with that information, you can just kind of work backwards and know when to actually plant your seeds. Uh, now, uh, there's one other thing that uh, you have to factor into that, and that's what I call seasonality. And a perfect example of that is a, a year like this year. Anytime you see a year where we have a super or, or an El Nino in, in, uh, 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 going on uh, off the West Coast, you can pretty much be assured that we're going to have an early spring. And, and so um, uh, you probably need to factor in you know, starting your seeds a couple of weeks earlier than you would normally start them because uh, – uh, you want those uh, transplants ready to t- transplant in the ground when the when the ground warms up and the season uh, is ready, uh, and so. Um, uh, seasonality is kind of a black art, uh, but uh, 
the thing that I pay attention to the most is whether we're in an El Nino or an El Nino year and how strong they are. And that will tell you whether we're probably going to have a, a, an early spring or a late spring. And it's not 100% uh, perfect as far as predictions concerned, but uh, uh, I guess it's kind of like horse racing. I mean, you know, you've got to go to the statistics and uh, uh, to make an educated choice on which horses to bet on. So uh, um, this is uh, probably as, as good as it's going to get uh, in a scientific manner to um, to determine what the seasonality is for your plant now also on your seed packet uh, there there's there should be a lot of other information like uh, um, uh, uh, it, it, a lot of times uh, it'll tell you whether the seeds need to be covered or they need to be uncovered which means do they need light to germinate or don't they if you don't see that information on the seed pack, uh, again, there are some seed guides out there that will give you that information. That's very important information uh, when it comes time to, uh, uh, after you've seeded your plants, you need to know, okay, now do I need to put a fine layer of vermiculite over the top of these plants? Uh, or do I need to uh, uh, just leave them alone and let them uh, germinate on their own? Now, um, uh, the planting time, again, is probably the most important thing to, to, to start with. And uh, 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 the... Um, the soil needs uh, uh, are are going to be uh, most most seeds need to be uh, trans needs to be sown in um, a, a germination mix. And now we sell uh, a product from Espoma here uh, at the garden center for doing just that. And uh, this mix uh, is ideal for uh, seedling germination in small uh, plug trays, uh, small cell plug trays. And so um, you want to make sure that uh, you have enough moisture in that mix. It should be about that of a, you know, after you've wet a sponge and, and you kind of squeeze it, uh, then, then you'll have some moisture left in there. That's what you want to seed in. And then you want to cover that uh, uh, you may have to cover it with vermiculite, and then after that, you, you're going to want to cover it with uh, like uh, saran wrap. And if it needs to be a, a germinated in the dark, you might need to put a piece of black plastic over it. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, that that's a taste of what what you need to do, and. Uh, uh, we'll probably talk about it a little more next week. Uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, our show this week. If you have any questions, why give us a call at the Garden Center. We'd love to talk to you. Have a great week, Louisville. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. 
To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. 